Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. Today, I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Jesse Leopold. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe, and let's dive in. In October of 2016, 23-year-old Jesse Leopold was living in Jewel, Iowa. On the day of October 13th, he left his home and headed to a shift at work at W&G Marketing, which was a meat processing plant. Around 6.30 p.m., he decided to leave for a break, which he had told his supervisor that he needed to go get some of his medication, but it was right before his lunch break, which... It was a lunch break. I assume he was working second shift, and that's why his lunch was at 6.30. But when Jesse left, he had left his phone, sunglasses, and street shoes, basically his, like, tennis shoes that he wore to work and then switched into his boots. He left those shoes there, and he never returned. Two days later, his dad, Jerry, received a phone call from some of Jesse's roommates saying that they had not seen him since he left for work on the 13th. And they also mentioned that he was acting kind of strange before going to work. And this was the first Jerry had heard of it. So he went ahead and posted a plea on Facebook asking if anyone had seen Jesse, if anyone had any information because he had not heard from him. He then contacted the Boone, Story, and Hamilton County Police and Hospitals. So all the ones in the general area, uh, they were located in Boone County. But he called around to see if Jesse had been picked up, if he was in the hospital or in jail or anything, and got nowhere. Do we know what the medication that he supposedly was going to get was? We don't know the exact medication, but keep your mind on that. Um, A little bit later, I'll dive into it. Of course. (laughs) So nothing was heard from Jesse until three days later, so October 16th. His truck, which was a bright purple Ford F-150 was found abandoned on Canyon Road in Legis State Park, which was about 40 minutes away from his workplace. Seems like a strange place to go get medicine. Well, yeah. And when he said he was going to get medicine, he said he was going to go home and grab it and come back. So definitely did not at least tell his supervisor that's where he was headed. At this point, Jerry files a missing police report for Jesse at the Boone County Sheriff's Office. Interestingly, about the truck, it was left unlocked with the keys in the ignition, and also his work boots and socks were in the back of the truck. So when you said that the keys were left in the ignition, part of me thinks that maybe he left in a hurry. Plus, you said that he left a lot of stuff at work, so he'd left his cell phone, and he never changed out of his work work boots into his street shoes when he left, which... Makes it seem like he was, like, in a hurry to go and do whatever he was going to go do. And then, but it is weird that he just took his boots off in this truck and left them. His boots and socks are in the back of the truck. So, here's the thing. He didn't have any other shoes with him that they know of. So, that means he would have been wandering off barefoot in the state park um, where, you know, remember it's October. That night, temperatures dropped down to, like, the 20s. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It seems like a terrible idea. 
Not to mention that his family and friends all say that he always locked his truck and he would never have left it like that. At the truck, there's no evidence of Jesse. However, there is a ticket on it from October 15th. It was either October 15th or late October 14th. And so he had a parking ticket issued for that day. So we know that the truck got there some point, at least by then. Like it wasn't dropped off on the 16th. It had been there prior. Okay, but wait. What day did you say that he left work to go home and get his medicine and then he just never returned? October 13th. Okay, so he left work that day and then it was either the 14th or the 15th that he dropped it off there? Or could he have dropped it off on the 13th and he- just not gotten a ticket until the 14th? Correct. That could be it. Okay. Um, so the articles and information I find about this case, it was October 15th that the ticket was issued. I'm throwing in the 14th because his family and friends have a very active Facebook page looking for him. And in one of uh, the breakdowns that his sister provides, she says it was the night of October 14th that he received the ticket. So I I would assume that she would know more and maybe it was a misprint in the articles. But because of the sources of the articles, I felt like I should include both of them. So I'm not sure exactly which day it was. But like I said, we know it was there prior to the day it was found. Okay. Yeah, I just wasn't sure if it was like a highly trafficked area with police officers. So like they would have noticed the truck immediately or it's possible that it could have gone a day or two without them noticing it before they left the ticket. I'm assuming I'm assuming maybe it was like ticketed because it had been left there for so long would be my guess. Like it got left there for maybe 24 hours. So they ticketed it. There's a pretty, I, and we'll share a photo. It, it's not a truck you're going to miss. It's large. And like I said, it's like that Barney colored purple. Volunteers and public officials come in and try to search the park and the Des Moines River, which ran nearby. And they were not finding a whole lot. They brought in some bloodhounds to look, but the bloodhounds could not pick up Jesse's scent on the ground near his truck, which leads some people to believe that maybe he wasn't the one that took his truck there. It's a very good assumption. And if but the keys are left in it, it makes sense. It sounds like whoever was driving it had the purpose of abandoning it. And I know we've talked about it, I think, before on other episodes. I know you and I've talked about it maybe off episodes as well. But scent dogs blow my mind because there have been so many cases where, like, the scent dogs can track them for so far and then they just, like, completely disappear. And it's not, like, in a normal place where you just disappear it's like in the middle of the woods or like you'd think that the scent would continue on somewhere in the middle of the woods so when you tell me that the scent dogs like couldn't find it i don't know i do think it's strange though that they couldn't find any trace of him like around the truck because you'd think that there'd be something but it is it is really weird and it makes me think like you said that probably somebody else was driving it Right. I mean, it's definitely a theory. And you know, like you said, scent dogs, it's not a perfect science. Um, I think it's more of like just an additional help. But as I said, the family has a very active Facebook page looking for answers. And there's something about this that's going to come up a little bit later. So um, I want you to remember that the dogs didn't pick up the scent. They also had helicopters come in and search the area. But like I said, they found nothing. At this point, police and officials and family friends are kind of trying to figure out what the heck happened, why Jesse would have left work 
kind of acting strange and just went 40 minutes away to a state park when he was only on a short lunch break. It doesn't really fit. So they have to consider foul play maybe. But another thing they point to is that Jesse had had struggles with bipolar depression and anxiety in the past. And he had been hospitalized several times um, in the years leading up to his disappearance. And in his system were drugs that were not prescribed to him. I couldn't find anything definitive on what kind of drugs. But his father did say that one time he couldn't refill one of his prescriptions and was maybe possibly buying drugs, quote, off the streets. Was the drugs that he was buying off the streets, all that in quotes, obviously, was that drugs that were supposed to be similar to the medication that he was prescribed or it was just like anything that he could find to maybe help whatever he needed help with or whatever he wanted in that moment there is very little specification other than possibly buying drugs off the streets we obviously don't have access to the information of what kind of drugs were in his system when he was in the hospital and his family didn't provide anything further it to me it makes how they worded it that he couldn't get a prescription filled. So that's why he did it. Makes me wonder if it's something similar or maybe it was something as simple as like trying to buy weed to help relax him. He had anxiety and no, that could help that. But I don't personally know what kind of drugs he was supposedly purchasing or where he was getting them. His dad mentioned that this could be leading him to put himself maybe in some sketchy positions. You know, if you're illegally buying drugs, you could easily get involved with the wrong person, wrong time, wrong place, you know? Yeah, I think that that definitely should be added to our discussion when it comes down to, like, suspects or what could have possibly happened. If that is something that was happening, then it it does kind of add to it, and it's kind of suspicious and makes you question extra things. Right, and it's interesting because I feel like with so many of our disappearance cases, it comes up that... They had past issues with anxiety and depression, and you see bipolar around a lot. I don't know how often it's actually diagnosed bipolar disorder, but anxiety and depression can come on so many levels, and I think there's a large portion of people that have anxiety and depression, and it would not even relatively lead them to doing something that crazy. Um, Obviously, it varies by case and by person, but I... I worry sometimes that that's getting used as like maybe an excuse to not be searching into foul play as much as it should be. Would you agree with that? I think that mental health is something that is misunderstood and sometimes negatively represented. And so I think it does come across in some of these cases where it could be a foul play situation and they're like, and we're just going to blame it on the fact that this person had a mental illness. There's definitely cases that we've covered where I think that mental illness would absolutely come into play and definitely has a part in it. But there's some cases where I'm like, I think you need to put aside the fact that this person has bipolar disorder or has depression or anxiety and think about the fact that, you know, something more sinister could have happened other than them just experiencing their mental health. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. 
Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. Right. And, you know, I like, obviously we want to, in these cases, you want to check out all avenues, but you need to use it as a tool of, okay, if this situation happened, if he is reacting because of his past mental health issues, where is his mind possibly going and how can we find him? Because irregardless, he's still just disappearing into nowhere. You know, if if you want to assume that he drove his truck to the state park and got out and took off doing something, you would think you would find him somewhere in the area if they're searching. It's in Iowa, so I, it's not like it's um, like rugged mountains. I don't know the topography of the park, but I thought it was interesting. And maybe I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. So hold on to that for a second. I'm going to dive right back into it. But as I mentioned, Jesse's dad, Jerry, was is very involved. He made the Facebook page. He posts on it often. But one of the common themes I see with Jerry's post is that he thinks maybe law enforcement isn't doing its due diligence to look for Jesse. And so that's kind of where I was going with the if if something happened and he is just took off in the state park, like, are they searching well enough? Is there something we're missing here? Because he's very adamant in his post that basically that police aren't doing their job. And that's not me saying it. That's something coming straight from Jerry. I think it's definitely possible that maybe the police are not doing as much as possible, especially if they are saying you know well it was his mental illness he walked away on his own kind of thing but i think if it i think if even if you want to say that it was his mental illness then i think that you probably should look for him because it doesn't seem like he would have gone away on his own it seems like something internal that he was dealing with took him away and maybe he needs some sort of help i do you said that like if he did walk away on his own, it's weird that they weren't didn't find him in the area. This is, I don't even know how many cases we've done now where it's, this person disappears randomly and they're like, well, it's probably related to mental illness. And then they're just never seen again. And then we have cases like the Brayden Fuxa one that we covered where he does mysteriously vanish and they were concerned about some mental health and they did keep looking for him and they eventually, they did end up finding him. And he had committed suicide, but they were able to find him. And I think that that's the important part is, you know, if they're you, you I, I know we've talked about it before, but you can't hide your own body after you're deceased. Like you can only go so far as to not be seen if you're still alive when you're still alive. Right. And it's it's crazy to me. And this gets me. This is I talk about it a lot. You guys have heard me say it a lot. The amount of people that go missing in state parks is insane. And it's so weird that it's at this number where it's like, what the heck is happening? Because you can accredit it to obviously a variation of things going on. I mean, there's foul play. There's people just getting lost and maybe not found because they went too deep off and animal predation and all that stuff. But like, there's just such a large amount of people that are going missing in state parks And this is a perfect example of one where it's like, 
what the heck happened? Where is he? You know, you you think that if you're searching the area well enough, you'd find some trace. And I realize that's not necessarily realistic, but it's it's weird to me that so often we don't find a trace. I just think it's insane, period, the amount of people that go missing and are never found, not even just in state parks, but ev- like the numbers are astronomical. We cover so many cases where there's just zero evidence as to where this person went. And I don't see how possible it is to just completely vanish from the face of the earth unless like black holes are opening up and swallowing people or something. Right. Which is, I mean, that's a wild theory, but like, I don't know what else to think, man. I'm, I, I love a good conspiracy theory though. So the idea that like, they're going off and wandering into this like weird place and it's like a weird dimension like stranger things like i don't necessarily think it's true but i can buy into it anytime because that is just too insane not to like look into since he's been missing there's been no activity on his phone no activity in his bank account and police really just have no information and the boone county sheriff's department has acknowledged that they are not ruling out any scenario including foul play and i thought it was funny that they specifically said including foul play because this this reminds me of some other cases we've looked into where it sounds so calculated the things they're saying not in a bad way but i think they put the foul play in there because they got a little bit of heat for possibly not doing the job they needed to do i've got a couple of examples and This is going to come straight from the Facebook page and straight from Jerry, which is Jesse's father. He uh, wrote a letter actually to the governor at Kim Reynolds. I don't know if she's still the governor at this point. I'm not sure when he wrote the letter exactly, but he mentions in it that authorities at the time had believed that maybe he committed suicide and that everyone in the community and like friends and family kind of thought otherwise and that authorities just like dismissed it even though a lot of people were coming forward and trying to make statements thinking that something happened and so jerry says he's trying to kind of do his own investigation to the point that he can and has access to because he has a quote lack of confidence in their authorities and he doesn't believe that jesse has received the attention that he deserves from local law enforcement and just an aside really quick, and this isn't necessarily on Boone County, but a lot of times because there's so many missing people cases and so many murder cases, some of them do get swept under the rug and they don't get a lot of publicity. Okay. My question is they found this truck that was deserted. Right. Did they do any sort of DNA testing on this truck? So I'm going to go with no Part of the reason is because when the truck was found, I'm assuming somebody found it and reported it to Jerry, not law enforcement. So he went and picked up the truck and took it home. So then I don't know if they did testing or not, but anything they would have found wouldn't necessarily have been admissible in court because it got moved from the crime scene is how it was phrased. Which I mean, I guess, but I'm, I guess I'm confused why they would have called Jerry. I, I think what happened was when Jesse first went missing... Jerry really reached out to community members before law enforcement. I don't know for what reason, but... Um, because the law enforcement weren't going to look into it? I guess. That's my guess. So From what it sounds like. So I'm guessing somebody responded to the Facebook post and was like, 
Because I'm sure Jerry said he drives a purple massive truck. And someone was like, hey, I saw it at the state park. It's only 40 minutes away. And then the keys were in it. So that's probably why Jerry took it back. I, I don't have a good answer other than that's what he went for. And that's what he did. And, you know, maybe it was just an unfortunate chain of events. But you think they would still do some type of testing because even if it's not admissible, you still haven't found Jesse. So any information would be helpful. I do think it would be helpful. And I think that they could do some sort of testing. I mean, just to see if it would give them any idea of a direction to go in. Right. Um, Right? Well, so Jerry also claims in his letter to the governor that early on in the investigation, he'd asked about accessing surveillance cameras and was told that that's not what the cameras were for and that that would be an invasion of privacy. And so he wasn't allowed to access any type of surveillance. Um, I mean, this was 2016. There's surveillance on highways and in the areas. And so he wasn't able to check into that. So Jerry wasn't, but the police were? I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and guess if the police did, they're not giving any information to Jerry because he's bringing it up in this letter and he's very upset with law enforcement not really doing a lot. So my understanding is that he believes they didn't even look into it. Okay. Which is unfortunate. It's it sounds like a lot of sloppy police work. Right. And uh, now I you know I compl- I support our law enforcement officers and I think that a lot of times they do a great job. They do the best that they can with situations, but it's sounding like from this particular case this department did not do the best that they could have yeah i i would agree with that and you know this is this is obviously coming from jerry so he's doing everything he can there's stuff that is not being reported by news outlets or by the sheriff's department or anything and it's information that jerry is now relaying via this letter to the governor via social media and one of them is that on or one of these instances, is that on October 28th in 2016, so only a couple weeks after Jesse had gone missing, a pair of bloody surgical gloves were found near a suspect's property, or a suspect property. I'm not sure what that means, if it's a person or just a property that seemed kind of sketchy. Okay. And that pictures and exact location were given to the sheriff's office to go look at it. And... In December, Jerry had gone over to the location to just kind of like explore it and look around and see if he could find anything and that the gloves were still laying there in the snow and mud. And so the police never went and got them. Yeah. What? Yeah. And so Jerry says he recovered them. And this is another thing where he recovered them and took them to the sheriff's office. But because he did it, it's they say it's inadmissible in court. They're not going to do anything with it. Okay, so what I need for Jerry to do is I need him to find these things and then call the police and have them meet him there. Right. I know. It's such a sad, like, sticky situation. I think he's really just trying to be hands-on involved in it. He makes some more comments about him and family and friends of Jesse calling the sheriff's office to give information that they've received and police not looking into it or following up on it. He also made a post saying that the local enforcement is letting him down, but he has a plan to get past these obstacles and that he's not going to discuss it to mess it up. He says nothing illegal, but he's trying to get some answers from it. So that's 
an interesting post. I'm, I'm really glad that he had to put the Duffy to legal part. In I know. I do want to say real quick if on that note, because it was funny how he worded, like he put, he has it in lines and he put nothing illegal, period. But I want to say he seems like a really genuine guy who's just trying to get some answers. He posts very actively on the Facebook page um, and he'll post about other people who have gone missing as well. And you can tell he's like really heartbroken over it. It's always really nice to see the families that are super active and constantly searching for answers. I think there's quite a few of them that we've covered. You know, there there was Jennifer Kessie, her whole family. They're constantly posting things. And then there was like Amy and Scott Fandel and... Where we, we actually interviewed their uncle, Terry. Um, I recommend you guys going back and listening to that episode. And this is a very similar situation to that one because Terry was kind of doing all that he could in this situation terry was looking into it despite the family of the kids not wanting to be a part of it but you know you have it's the same thing where you have that one person who's really fighting trying to do what they can to solve and solve the cases and bring some closure yeah it's just always refreshing to see these families that are putting in so much effort i mean i think they're but i think that there's a line between you know I don't want to say putting in too much effort but maybe obsessing over something for too long and finding closure because you know there's points in time there where you kind of just have to accept that there's probably never going to be any answers and if you spent every day of the rest of your life doing that it'd probably drive you insane well um it's very interesting that you bring up that point because I came across a couple of the posts where, like, a body was found nearby or in the area, and then police, like, they announced that they found a body, but they haven't, like, identified it yet. It'd be so hard to move on when that happens. I I know. I think that not having answers is the hardest part, and there's so many families out there who don't have answers, and they have just had to kind of spend their lives not knowing and just kind of accepting and finding whatever closure they can find and I just think that that's some of the strongest people out there because I couldn't even imagine because I mean yeah in a lot of the cases that we cover that are disappearances I mean we typically try to cover like one or two possible sightings but 99 like there's probably 10 side possible sightings on all the cases that we cover and we only discuss one or two because they're all false leads and it's just so unfortunate. I can't even imagine being the family that's getting these calls like, hey, this might be the answers that we've been looking for. And then just nothing. Right. The leads, it is kind of crazy. And, you know, especially I think true crime kind of has, obviously it has like a popularity, like we're doing true crime stories too. People, all you guys listening, like we're all interested in it. And that can be a really useful tool, but it also could be a hindrance if, you know, uh, investigators are you know wasting time tracking down false leads but i think that's just how it is like wouldn't you we would rather have those included than people not report something that could possibly lead to finding a person who went missing i am very curious to see what the like solving of the case that or closure that jerry was talking about in this one of his more recent posts I'm definitely going to keep an eye on this one and see if there's any other updates so we can keep you guys posted. I'm not, I like I said, I'm not really sure what it entails, but from what it sounds like, it 
It almost sounds like the family and friends suspect foul play pretty pretty much like at least 90%. And so in this case, you know, you got to look into who could have been involved. So if he left work and was just going to run home and be back, it would have probably been someone following him or knowing his schedule. Or do you think maybe it could have been like a wrong place, wrong time kind of thing? I really think it could have been anything. If he was involved in some sort of illegal drug transactions, that's always something that can turn messy really fast. So it could have been something like that. It could have been somebody that was stalking him and had been seeking him out. He also, for all we know, there could have been a whole other situation that occurred. Maybe he had seen something that he wasn't supposed to see, or maybe he just came across something, or maybe he really did just leave. There's always that possibility. And, you know, maybe there's the possibility that he asked a friend, hey, go dump my truck here, make it look a little suspicious, and we'll move on. Right. And then he walked away and started a new life. I, but I don't find that super possible. But I've, I like to kind of keep that theory in there because it, I think it's definitely an option. So something that stood out to me, I thought it was interesting that his roommates noted that he was acting weird and he was gone for two days before they really acknowledged it or did anything about it. So, was it normal for him to disappear for a couple days, though? Not that I could find. Um, The few things I saw was that the actions were out of character, especially the leaving the truck unlocked with the keys in. He never did that. Yeah, I mean, how old were they again? Um, I'm not sure how old the roommates were. He was 23 at the time of his disappearance. So, I guess you could assume that the roommates are probably around the same age. No offense, but 23-year-old boys, are they really (laughs) focusing on whether or not their friend is coming home that night fair 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 i mean even like when i lived at college if one of my roommates didn't come back i wasn't like super concerned that night but like you know because that's their decision maybe they just decided to go out and they decided to stay somewhere else but if it was i think if it would have been multiple nights in a row and i hadn't like heard from them at all i probably would have said something but i think the first night i wouldn't have said anything maybe after maybe like if i didn't hear from them and or didn't see them come home the second night i probably would have called the next morning probably exactly what they did right i can see that and especially too it depends on the level of friendship like my one of my years i lived with three people who i was fairly close with and if they hadn't come home one night i'd be like you okay where are you at but i also have had a roommate where it's like i don't there would be days i wouldn't see her because we had either different schedules or like i just we didn't talk a lot so uh, yeah, my freshman year, my roommate that I had, we just never spoke, like, mm-hmm. ever. We, for some reason, they paired us together. We just never got right. along. And she would be gone for a weekend, like, a whole weekend or, like, four days. Like, I just never knew where she was, and I never assumed anything was wrong. I was just like, meh, she's just busy out with friends or with family or something. Right. So, the last thing I'm going to, I want to bring up again and reiterate is... How strange it is that his boots and socks were in the back of his truck. When you say back of the truck, do you mean the bed of the truck or just like the back seat? I think the bed of the truck. Okay, because I was originally picturing the back seat. But now if it's the bed of the truck, that's a little more strange. It does say, it just says back of the truck. If they're work boots, probably the bed of the truck. 
I mean, he worked at a meat packing factory. Probably stink. Yeah. I mean, he walked out of work with them. What else is he putting on? I guess, yeah, in that in that regard, he got in the truck and drove with them, so. Yeah. I don't know. It's, cause it's strange, it, but why are you, if it's October, it's kind of cold. Obviously, it dropped down to 20 degrees that night. So let's just say he decided to go to the state park and walk around. Why is he going barefoot? The only thing I could think of is... If he did have a pair of shoes in his truck that just nobody knew about. Yeah, like an additional pair. It would be weird, though. Like, if it was summer and, like, he had taken his socks off, maybe he put on a pair of sandals. I doubt he was putting on a pair of sandals. So, maybe he had brought an extra pair of socks and shoes and decided he was going to go for this walk. But it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in any scenario. That's why I just keep coming back to it. Because I'm like, what, what is, what does that mean? (laughs) I genuinely feel like somebody took his truck and abandoned it there. I think so, too. The actions that occurred between him leaving work and that truck being abandoned there, I think will forever be a mystery. I agree. So, like I had said, Jesse Leopold went missing on October 13, 2016 from Jewel, Iowa. He was 23 when he went missing, so he would be 28 years old, actually, today as we're recording, March 1st. At the time of his disappearance, he was six foot one, 185 pounds. He was wearing blue jeans and a blue shirt and presumably no shoes when he went missing. As I said, he had suffered from bipolar disorder, depression, and anxiety and took medication for these. He had brown hair and hazel eyes. And if anybody has any information for this case, you can contact the Boone County Sheriff's Office at 515-433-0524 unless from this podcast episode you're not really confident you can always reach jerry his father from the facebook page the missing jesse leopold facebook page and i do recommend you guys check it out um he seems like a really genuine guy who's just looking for some answers and assistance and emotionally working his way through this horrible scenario that he found himself in Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. If you would like to support us, go to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also join our Patreon family, where you can get early access to our episodes and exclusive content such as our new Monday minis and a bonus monthly episode for as little as a cup of coffee a month. Donations to our podcast are always greatly appreciated and go into making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. If interested, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you have case suggestions, feel free to reach out through any of our platforms or email at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.